Today is Tuesday, December 6th, and we're taking things one day at a time here on the Outside the Oval podcast, the newest running experience on the internet. You can find my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube, as well as on my Instagram and Twitter at Outside the Oval. And then any questions you may have may be directed to my email at OutsideTheOval at gmail.com. But today I'm headed back to what this show was before I kind of got submerged into the NCAA cross-country season. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm absolutely going to continue making the NCAA a main focus of this show every week. But as long as we're in the offseason, at least, we're going to take things back to where they were, back to the roots, back outside the Oval. We're going to break down some excellent stories with some incredible guests over the next couple of weeks and really hear their perspective on our sport inside and out. But joining me today once again is Dustin Horder of Indiana University. Dustin joined me on my sixth episode for the first ever Ohio Roundtable, which we are uh, slowly working on getting a second one out soon. But that Ohio Roundtable consisted of some of the most talented runners to come through the state of Ohio, which included Dustin Horder, Arjun Jaw, and Hunter Moore, uh, three state champions or NCAA qualifiers. And in high school, though, Dustin, you kind of did it all. You won the Brooks uh, PR one mile, you're a New Balance indoor national champion, and you qualified to Nike Team Nationals twice, winning while winning several state championships when the state of Ohio was really at its peak and in the conversation of being the most competitive distance running state in the country. And as I mentioned before, running for the University of uh, Indiana University, Dustin, you've kind of found your role as a Hoosier. You've entered, uh, you're entering this final semester of eligibility in 2023, and this looks like you're awfully close to breaking some awesome barriers, uh, but it's great to have you on the show uh, once again. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, letting me hop on here again and kind of talk about some more personal stuff, and I'm ready to dive into it. Absolutely, and as I was saying, you had a pretty stellar high school career, but last time I had you on, that's where we began kind of the conversation, but there's a whole entire story we didn't get to talk about last time, and that comes before your dominant four years at Lakota East, so we'll jump, kind of go way back. I'd love to know what at first drew you towards running, what got you into the sport, and Ultimately, why why did you end up running cross country and track? Yeah, so I would take you way back to second grade. Um, I had to run the mile uh, in high school class or in, in uh, elementary school gym class, just like everybody else did, uh, I'm sure. And I ended up running like a six oh five or something like that. Second grade, it was like ridiculously fast for a second grader. And my gym teacher was kind of just like, you know, this is something you should think about getting into and getting more involved in. Um, and I was so young at the time I was playing, I just started playing football and I really loved football. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do track. Um, and so I kind of got into it like in third and fourth grade and joined like an AAU team where I met a lot of uh, really like inspirational people in my running career, um, like Rodney Heath and um, just a bunch of other people who helped me get into it. Uh, Coach Mike as well. But they really helped me get my form down and made me kind of into like a little speedster. And I just love getting around the track, but I mainly did it just to get in shape for football. Um, but then, you know, come high school, I wasn't fully bought into the idea of running cross country. I really loved the oval a lot. Um, and I wasn't really willing to branch outside of that just because of my love for football. But I ended up meeting Adam Thomas, who was my coach all throughout high school that I put my full faith in. And he, wanted me to meet with his team um and because i had just run 432 in the mile in eighth grade or whatever um and he was like you could kind of be like this piece that 
uh, we need to get our team to state because we've come up a few points short of coming to state um, the past few years. And you could kind of be that spark that we need. So I ended up meeting with like the current top five and they were all returning the next year and they were just very welcoming to me and um, really told me like, you can have a big impact. And um, like, if you come here, like we'll work with you super hard and just take you in with open arms. And so I fell in love with the idea of just like being wanted and feeling like I was needed. Um, I was lifting for football at the time to play freshman high school football. And I dropped it all and just started running and I didn't look back. And I don't regret that for a second, obviously, um, giving up football, even though it's a sport I still love to watch today. Like that team that I had my freshman year really shaped me into the the runner that I was going to end up being over the course of that next four years and then into college. So I had a lot of really good experience with them. And my high school coach was really the person that kind of shaped my rambunctiousness, my competitiveness, my energy into something that was like, a really good, I guess, like show for um, high school and uh, just throughout. So I'm very appreciative for everything that he did and everything that those guys did to get me where I was and set me on the right track. Absolutely. They definitely put you in the right situation for sure. Things definitely worked out, quitting football and everything like that. But that's the story of how you were brought into the sport, which I always find really unique. Every individual has their own story as to how they got into running. But as I mentioned before, your career really took off in high school and you have one of the best resumes of any high school runner to have ever run, in my opinion. Uh, you have a national championship. You qualified for some of the most prestigious races in the country. Um, I look at your resume, like I said, and I, I think it can go head to head with just about any high school runner of all time. But as I was doing this, running through your resume, I saw a few races that really stuck out to me. There were some that were either really big races and widely known by the public, but there were also some races where you silently, silently ran really, really good. Excellent, in fact. And back when we ran in Ohio, it wasn't hard to really fly under the radar. Eventually, somebody was going to find out about it. That's just how distance running fans were in Ohio. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but have you ever heard of Yappy Sports, like the message boards? I have, yeah. It's very popular. A lot of people, it's kind of like the chatterbox of the state when it comes to cross-country and track and field. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And the fact that Ohio has their own high school message boards for their own sports and they even have one for cross-country, it's pretty spectacular. I think that's pretty cool. And I lived on that website for two and a half years. It's just, it's different in the Midwest, in my opinion, different in Ohio. But to get back on track, you ran a lot of races in Ohio that to this day, I don't think have been talked about enough. And that first race that I'd like to mention, we briefly brought it up during the Ohio Roundtable. Now, I decided to spare you a few other stories that I know you don't want to talk about. Maybe number one, the 2017 Midwest Media Champions. We brought that up last time. And that's probably a special episode I'd love to have you and Zach back for. But the other one would have to be the Eastern Relays race in, uh, at the University of Louisville. And I'd consider that one of the greatest distance meets in the Midwest, um, at least for Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, seems like the top runners from those states would always make their way out. But Dustin, you won the Eastern Relays 3,200 in both 2017 and 2018. Uh, and I promise uh, this is going to be the most talking I do on today's episode. But could you help set the scene for me today? Last time you were on, you talked about the 2017 race with Zach Kirk and Hunter Moore. But this time, I'd love to hear in your own words how the 2018 race went. So this was the one with Chad Johnson, Zach Kraft, and Max Scrape. You all went sub nine. Uh, together could you tell just kind of what was that race like for you in your perspective yeah of course so kind of going back a few weeks 
me and my coach had kind of decided we were going to have essentially a three-week festival where we really tried to hit each individual event hard. And I believe the week prior, I'd run 150 at the Wayne Invitational in Ohio and the 800. Um, and so that was like a big step for me, um, just kind of knowing I could do, I could kind of solo these races on my own um, and get the job done and run the times that I wanted to. Um, so going into this race, I was laser focused and I didn't really do like 3,200 meter work, or like long intervals. I really trained like a 1,500, 800 guy. And my coach was like, that speed that you have at 1500 meters and 800 meters will translate to 3200 like you'll just feel a lot more relaxed when you get out in a race and have to only run like 65s or um like that kind of that kind of thing so i put a lot of my confidence in him and kind of just said you know what train me to uh do it the way that you think it should be done and i didn't really ask questions i kind of just went with it and it ended up working out really well like come the day of the race i was extremely confident i Hadn't really been beaten a whole lot recently, so I was just riding a hot streak, and it was just another piece in the puzzle to me. And I just kind of went out there and expected to lead it pretty much the entire time. I didn't really worry about the strategy that anybody else had that day. It was more about, like, what can I do? And I kind of felt like I was racing against the clock. Um, so, I mean, like, Chad was in that race, obviously, and he ran, like, 8.52, I think. Um and then uh, Matt Scrape was in that race too. I think he ran, he might have run like eight fifty six or eight fifty two or eight fifty three, um, and like it it was just an incredible field that year too. And I like I have to give a lot of credit to the meet director of the Eastern Relays. His name is slipping my mind right now, but um, he was able to just put together some master classes um, of guys that would come there. Like all the elite Ohio guys would be there, um, like. I know Yard was there a few times running those races. I know, like, he was able to get, like, the top talent from around the area down there to run those races. And um, we always put, like, such a high priority on the Eastern Relays. Like, that was our place to go get a 3,200-meter time. Like, if you were going to PR in the 3,200, that was the best environment you were going to get all year. And so we always had, like, a distinct, like, this is the weekend where we're going to hit it big. And we just carried that energy all the way through the week. Um, and I was just like, so excited when I saw 848 crossing the line. Um, I really wanted the meet record, which I think Andrew Jordan had set a few years prior. Um, and I was in that race where he set it. And, um, I, I really wanted that record, but, you know, I was very happy with the effort to kind of like go out there get myself on an Island and really kind of test what I could do in that race. And I honestly can't remember really what went down in that race, kind of like what I was psychologically thinking. All I can remember is my coach just being like, you're right on, you're right on, stay on. He's on the backstretch, like cheering me on. And he's like, you look great. Like, just keep going. Um, and like, just being in that setting, being um, there, I'd gone there for four straight years. And the first time I had been there, um, I ran 914. That was the first ever 3,200 meter I ran. So it was like, it had just come full circle. I was, someone who was just kind of holding on for dear life in that front pack. And then now I was somebody who was dominating that race. And it just felt really good in that moment to be like all this hard work that I put over the course of these four years and paid off. Absolutely. And uh shout out to Mike Horan. He, that's uh Easter relays meet director. I went and checked it for you, but yeah, that's, a, that's awesome. I mean, going from just kind of trying to paint on your freshman, sophomore years and transitioning into that role where you're just going out there and you're hammering it. It's just, so awesome. 
but that race was super special for a lot of people, including the other three who were there from the state of Ohio, who I mentioned earlier, all went under nine, which is, I would imagine up until that moment had never been done before in the same race, uh, for a group of four athletes from Ohio. So what was it like doing that with three other guys from Ohio, kind of, kind of tearing the place apart and setting new records, like it's nobody's business. Uh, did you guys share any memories together from that one or during that day? Yeah, we, we took a picture and we always talked after the races, which I always enjoyed that camaraderie of the Ohio boys getting together and just kind of taking pride in going to, into a meet in like other territory or across state lines and uh, really showing out. I think like that was evident along the way that we had such a pride and such a joy and kind of just being able to like put on a show and be the ones that we're going to give like everybody in the area you know, like something to celebrate and something to get really excited about when we went out on the track. I remember like along the same lines, I remember when I was in like eighth grade, there was a race at Mason and um, it, they have a dream mile every year. And I wasn't even able to run at that point. I was only in eighth grade, but I was just there to spectate. And um, there was a bunch of really talented runners in the race, but they just went out like super tactical. It was almost like a championship race where they went out really tactical and then they closed super hard and didn't end up running a very fast time and i just remember my coach throughout high school um he was so mad after that race yeah and another story i stumbled upon and i knew i read this somewhere prior uh maybe the columbus dispatch but i'm pretty sure it was mile split but your senior year you actually did not graduate with the rest of your graduating class at Lakota east instead you're stuck in hamilton ohio preparing for the district 3200 meter race which was delayed multiple times due to inclement weather. Dustin, could you tell me the story behind that day at districts as well as what was going through your head prior to the race, knowing full and well that you were unfortunately not going to be able to walk with your classmates? Yeah, I, I was, I had a really big focus on trying to make it to graduation. Um, it was a really big deal to me. It was my first big like graduation. Um, and I was, I was excited to be there with the rest of my classmates that night. Luckily I didn't have like a huge role in the graduation, like a speech or anything. Um, but I was under the impression that I was going to end up making it earlier in the night, uh, had it not been for the inclement weather, obviously. But um, I was really upset about not being able to make it to that. Um, and I think like my athletic director and principal caught wind of it. Um, and I was able to run the 3200 meter at some point in the night and obviously qualify onto the regional championships. Um, and I, I ran really well too. I think, I think I doubled like a four eleven and maybe like a nine Oh, like nine Oh five or something like that in the same night. So it was like a really good night. Um, like a really good job. Well done. So I was very happy about that. But when I figured out I wasn't going to make it to my graduation, I was like really pressed about that. And that was something I really cared about. Um, just because I had put so much hard work into that, uh, high school diploma and just like making it that far. Um, but like I said, my high school athletic director caught wind of it and my principal caught wind of it and they wanted to do something special for me. So they literally made a huge production out of my graduation, my own personal graduation and brought me out into Main Street, which was just a big hallway that ran down my school. And they had the entire school come out of class and stay on Main Street. There was about there's a balcony on Main Street up top where the upstairs classrooms could like look down on the Main Street. So. I literally had a student body of probably like 2,100 kids looking down at me while I graduated. 
uh, I came up on stage. One of my teammates, Ben Reimer, gave a speech for me, which was really awesome. Uh, it was a speech that he actually gave at the graduation too. Uh, and then my principal got up and uh, did like all the classic graduation honors and all the gra graduation music number. And I just remember being super grateful. They set up chairs for my family and like other friends that wanted to come and see me like graduate. And I was uh, really happy that they made uh, such a big deal out of that, even though it was something like that was pretty simple. Uh, and I just remember being so grateful for that. But that's just one example of the amount of support that I got in high school from my athletic administration, as well as um, the administration at Lakota East. Like they were with me every step of the way. And I think that kind of has helped me like figure out kind of like what I want to do with my own life. I, I, I think I, the route that I'm going to be trying to take is trying to hop in as an assistant athletic director in a, a school and kind of be on that own, that same track. So I can give back the way that they gave to me because they made my experience so good. Like Susanna Davis. And of course my athletic director, Rich Bryant just made me feel like I was so important. Um, even though the thing that I was doing was so small and, the scale of just the community and everything that was happening. And I, I'm, I'm so appreciative to that day, like the opportunities that they gave me and the support that they gave me along the way. And I just want to be able to give back to other people the way that they gave to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I love to hear that. And that's actually my next question, uh, kind of working towards that. I, I did see a video from that. That's pretty cool. I kind of am able to visualize Main Street just a little bit. I Like I said, saw a video on Twitter, I think not too long ago or when it happened. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but that was awesome what they were able to do for you and they provided you. And taking a look at another race, I'm sure they helped you at least take care of in some way. The Brooks PR one mile in Seattle, Washington, that's got to be another great story that really I've never heard anything about. So could, could you tell me about that experience as well as a little bit about how the race went? Yeah. So I raced Brooks the year prior um, and I had a really good experience out there. I really enjoyed everything. Uh, but the one thing that really kind of shook me up when I went out there is like nobody really who knew, knew who I was that junior year. I was kind of just one of the guys that was going to be in the back half of the race. And I had the PRs to make it and I was definitely qualified, but there was a lot of firepower up front in that race. Uh, a lot of guys like gunning to break for like Sam Worley, Cooper Tier was in that, DJ Principe was really rolling at the time. And so there was some big firepower in that race. I just didn't have the spotlight on me or um, really the times that they had at the time to get a lot of notoriety or attention. And I remember uh, a random Miles Foot guy, I don't know where he was from, but I know he was with Miles Foot, came up to me and a few other guys who were kind of like, hanging low a little bit, not really on the whole interview scene, wasn't really the person that uh, like they wanted to talk to that weekend, because like I said, there was a lot of other really good kids that deserved that attention and, and that kind of uh, media attention. So he came up to me and was like, oh, like, what's your name? What do you do? He, he didn't know anything about me at all. Um, and I was kind of just remember feeling a little insulted by that and being like, you know, next year when I come here, I don't want to just be another guy. Um, I want to come in here and I want to be the person that is like a favorite or is well known. And not that I particularly wanted that attention, but felt like, you know, I wanted to get myself to a place where I deserved it and I'd earned it. And so I just felt good about that. And the next year I came back, I was on a tear. 
like all through the whole year, just kind of building up to that moment. And it was everything I had worked for. And then come race day, you know, my coach again had me, Adam Thomas had me in a tremendous spot to be able to really uh, go with the flow of whatever the race, whatever was going on in the race. I remember one of my good friends, Brody Hasty, uh, he ran the open 800 there, but he also paced that mile. And he was perfect through 800 meters, uh, right on the money. But it just wasn't happening that day. And they really wanted us to try to break four, but nobody was going with Brody. And he was probably, I was probably two seconds off of him when he came through 800. So at that point, I was like, well, breaking four is probably not in the cards today. Let's just go out and win the race. And so you had a bunch of guys, really good, successful NCAA guys now, like Nick Foster, uh, Dylan Jacobs, uh, Clayton Mendez was in it. Uh, a bunch of other people I'm forgetting. Cole Johnson was in it. Like, bunch of really great guys and just some competitors, like some, like just some dogs in the field. And I remember just being excited to go up against them and see how I really shaped up against everybody in the country. And like with 800 meters to go, I think I was in the lead, but I had lost it. And I don't remember who exactly passed me, but I kind of got into the jumble of the race a little bit. I was on, if I remember correctly, I was on the inside rail and I just kind of was like, all right, be patient. Like they're kind of making a move here, but it like, just don't let it get out of control. Don't let yourself get like all helter skelter before like the real racing happens in the last 400 meters. And so around in the turn, I remember, um, I just remember seeing the big camera overhead and it was like following us as we rounded the turn. And I just remember feeling like just a burst of energy. The crowd was on the track. Like it was one of the best environments I've ever run in. Uh, just every time I went there to like the production that they put on was like insane and awesome. And I remember rounding that turn with 150 to go and just kind of like turning on the jets and making a little bit of a move. And I ended up getting myself out in front. And I was like, as long as I keep pushing this last 100 meters and run through the line, I think I got it. And I ended up looking up at the billboard and I saw myself running down the home stretch and I just like couldn't help but like just start smiling because I knew in that moment like I was going to achieve what I had set out to achieve the year prior and 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 years before uh and so I just I was ecstatic in that moment and winning that race was like just such a big deal to me uh to be able to again like see how I stacked up with all those guys but also just come out on top in my last race around the track in high school um, and be, being able to do it in front of my coach, in front of my entire family who was there, uh, it was just like a culmination of everything that I had done in my high school career. And it was just like almost a storybook ending to uh, in the exact way that I wanted it to look going out. Yeah, that sounded like a great experience. I think the Brooks PR mile is, like you said, a great production every year. I think it's probably the most prestigious race in my, at least in the eyes of my, my opinion, I think it's the biggest mile and the miles really become the event, at least in the high school level. And now the 15 is kind of becoming it at the world stage. So that's pretty cool to see, but that's not the only time you've traveled West for a pretty exclusive experience offered to those yeah. most deserving high school athletes prior to your senior high school season, you were invited to the Nike elite distance camp as well. Uh, that, I believe it was in Eugene, Oregon, and you got to spend some time with some of the best high school runners in the country. And looking back, other big names, uh, Dylan Jacobs, Brody Hasty, Taylor Rowe, Grace Payne, they were all there, and that's not the entire list. Uh, a few others were there, including yourself. And I would, like I said, I, I would argue you were the biggest ticket um, 
kind of name there. And could you talk a little bit about that camp and what that experience was like for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely loved my time out there when I, when I got to go, I was so happy when I got that invitation in the mail and um, it was kind of just like the biggest compliment you could get to be invited to that was like, you know, you're just expected to be one of the top dogs. So we're going to like invite you out here and gather all these people around. Uh, and there are people I traveled with a lot, but like before too, like Danny Kilray and Dylan Jacobs and um, like Gabe Fendel, like just a bunch of guys that I was really familiar with and was pretty good buddies with. So I was really excited to get out there and just kind of see what it was like and see what was going on, but definitely like lifetime memories coming from there. Like the gear that we got from there was like, top notch being able to um be a part of like little groups so, like they had a guy come in and he was a jordan rep and he had shoes that they hadn't released before um and he was like you know you guys are going to be like the first like kind of control group to look at these and like let us know what you think about them and they were like jordan running shoes so it was like they were like based off of all the old jordan kicks but they were like in running form which was like something that like you'd never seen before. And then they also had like exclusive spikes that they had never dropped before that they were testing out. Um, and this was of course before like the big like super spike era. Um, it was like a few years prior to that, but I just remember the exclusivity of it and just like the camaraderie that went into it was a perfect production. And uh, like there was really nothing better than getting that elite singlet with the matching shorts and just being able to kind of like have that as a flex and be like, I went here and like, I was a part of this. Um, and like in the past, I know they had some guys run at like the Prefontaine classic and stuff like in a mile and like actually do races like that. Um, at this time they had us do like a 5k time trial. Um, and so that was like pretty memorable too, just kind of going out and none of us were in really good shape at this time. Cause it was like June, we were just coming off track seasons. Like, or it might've been like July, but it was like midsummer-ish, and none of us were like really in great shape coming, coming off a break. And I just remember um, we went out and Chris Derrick coached a practice for us out on the grass. So we got to go run mile repeats out on the grass and nice and smooth in the brand new spikes and in the Nike gear. And um, like I said, just the camaraderie of all the guys getting together and kind of just building a bond over just something as simple as running and being able to kind of just goof around with them and uh, just kind of be in that moment, really enjoy it was again, a culmination of all the hard work, but also just having a bunch of fun doing what we love. So I, I really, really enjoyed that experience and everything we got to do it. We got to go up to like Mount Hood. We got to run on the transcontinental trail. We got to go like um, out to like a, ropes course and like bonfires and everything and it was just such a fun experience to be out there with those boys yeah i think you said it pretty well i think that's the most ex like when high school runners i think when they think of the most exclusive like camps races anything like that the number one on almost everyone's list and i'm assuming they still do the camp today the nike elite cross-country distance camp was the camp that you wanted to get one of the t invitations there and it's super cool you got to experience that 
I know based on our last conversation we had, I can infer you're a pretty outspoken believer that the state of Ohio produces some of the best high school runners in the United States. Definitely agree with you there. Um, the six-year stretch, though, from 2015 to about 2020 was ex- excellent for the state of Ohio. But I don't think anyone can argue with the fact that, that no class was as talented as the class of 2018. This class included yourself, as well as Chad Johnson and Zach Kraft, who we talked about earlier. They finished 11th and 12th at Foot Locker Nationals their senior year. And then we have to mention names such as Matt Scrape, Arjun Jaw, Lucas Bonds, Andy Payne, and all these guys who have raced at an NCAA championship throughout their college career, which is really incredible and such a testament to the state of Ohio and what they've done with the running community. But I do want to have some fun today. Looking back at the class of 2018, I feel like it was a pretty diverse class. There were certain guys who were better at the shorter distances while others excelled at the longer endurance races. For instance, I always thought your foot speed, Arjun's kick, they were so lethal and too dangerous to kind of make it a race with you guys late. And then I feel like Zach Kraft and Chad Johnson, they seem to always do their best to burn their competition out early, running in the front pack and pushing the pace if they could. Uh, So theoretically speaking, if you had to build a DMR team consisting of runners from the class of 2018 in the state of Ohio, excluding yourself, I would love to know who you would put on the team and which leg you'd have them race and really why. So the hardest part is probably putting a distance runner in that 400 meter spot. But I'm, I'm just curious. I think it would be fun to see where you put everyone <laughs> yeah um so I, I i actually don't think it's as hard as you are saying to put somebody in that 400 meter spot and i think if uh this man watches this podcast he won't be surprised i said his name either but arjun jaw you already mentioned it his foot speed is very good i will i ran strides with him for four years i will let you know that man can run and I, we always used to have this debate on um i use team like whether or not a relay of a few of us uh, guys could break, um, I think it was 320, which is everybody running a 50. And Arjun and I were always like the biggest advocates that we could do it. Um, but I, I don't have a doubt that Arjun would be very fast on a 400 leg. I think the 800 leg is a little bit tougher, but I'm going to go a little bit outside of the people that you said and say Nick Miller. He oh, was really good at the 800 meters of course i think he won the state championship um our senior year and he obviously has had a lot of success at the uh college level as well um so he is definitely a guy stick him on the 800 you're gonna have a lot of good success i think from there i'm gonna have to say i'm gonna have to say chad on the 12. i think that chad's got a lot of good mile speed and I think that, you know, the way that he runs to like get him in that lead pack. And if he wants to be like a little bit more um, like less strategic and just kind of go run out front and see what he can do. I think that's that's really good, too, because giving us a little bit of a lead. I don't I don't mind that with the rest of the guys we got on the squad. And then again, I'm going to go a little bit outside of who you said um, again, like for the mile leg, I'm going to go with Lucas Bonds. Uh at the NCAA level, he's like a 355 guy, and he was second in the state championship uh, in the mile in, two, in 2018. And he has got some insane foot speed, and the way that he's developed in college has been pretty spectacular. Um, and, and he's really developed into a really good, like, mile-on-up guy, mile of like, 5K kind of guy. So I think I, he's my pick for the mile leg. But I, I feel pretty good about that team in general. Like, even with Arjun on the floor, like, 
I think he gives you like a 49 or 50 uh, at least. I, I would not doubt, I would yeah. not doubt it. I, I've seen that man close workouts in like 23 high, 24 for 200 meters. Like he can run. So, Yeah, that's a great team. I think the only one I didn't see coming was Nick Miller. Now, you were right. He, he was the anchor leg for that awesome Wadsworth team. I forget who their other – 800 runner was but i'm pretty sure they went one and two they won the four by eight nick, nick miller was the real deal that was a really good they pitch. had uh they had gabe salazay too who ran at uk and i i was pretty good friends with nick and uh gabe because i used to run against gabe and aau uh coming up so i was pretty familiar with them and they i got them to come down to a few meets uh and run with me at them but yeah nick miller he he's a dog uh he's very very good at uh what he does so and he's obviously had a lot of success in college, too, in the Big Ten. And I think he's at Notre Dame now. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes uh, with that. Yeah, so I didn't have this actually scheduled to ask you this question, but I kind of thought of it on the fly. The state of Ohio, the class of 2018 had an excellent, excellent class. And that's probably the best distance class of all time, in my opinion, just country-wise. Like, yeah, Kilroy, Jacobs, um, hasty and a few others who are big names and uh maybe even aiden troutner uh, not sure liam anderson i don't know what year exactly they want won uh mm. nationals i think one of them was that 2017 year yeah. but um loaded class but i gotta ask you would, would you say that ohio class was better than the illinois class with uh kilroy jacobs and i know they had one more i think it was schumacher i don't know someone that was up in the same kind of realm as you guys uh, same zip code almost uh but would you say it was better or worse than the illinois class see that's a hard question it's really hard to see how we stack up against each other i think it's hard to beat the one-two punch of danny and dylan just because they were so good uh their senior year but i think the ohio class is a is deeper um so i think i'd have to just roll with ohio for the fact that i know like our three, four, five are going to be pretty lethal and hard to keep up with because I feel like the spread between all of us is like razor thin. Like on any given day, on any given course, like like Krep, Chad Johnson, I think we're all competing. We're competing pretty closely, and it's just kind of like, all right, who's going to feel better on this day? You know, given that, I think Dylan and Danny are a pretty lethal one-two punch, and it might, it would be hard to even put one guy in with that pack or like separate them or even beat both of them. So, but with that being said, I think we're just a deeper class in general. Absolutely. I, in, in my opinion, I think if it was a five team race, Ohio is going to win that one. I mean, when you have Arjun Jaw, um, possibly not even making the top five of your, uh, your, your class top five, it's pretty incredible. Now Kilroy and Jacobs had incredible races at Foot Locker, but I think, you also got to consider the fact that you weren't at Foot Locker. So, I mean, it kind of evens the gap and you had Scrape, Johnson, and Kreft. They all finished in the top 20. So, so even, I feel like, those two classes. And I'm not exactly sure who would fill out the number four and five for Illinois squad. But I thought that'd be another interesting question to ask. But moving past your time in Ohio, you spent the past four or five years in Bloomington, Indiana, racing for the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, real quickly, could you tell me about how, how your college career has gone so far? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, to be completely honest with you. Um, but, you know, I think that's just college running in general. I, I think people on the outside looking in that don't really know too much about the sport, like don't really understand 
what goes into it and um the like i like i was talking about earlier like the razor thin margin for error like the competition's so good at this level if you have one little thing off that day or like you're just like oh like not in the mood or whatever like you're gonna get put in the ground hard um and so it's like you got to come in every day and you got to just be laser focused and you got to be doing all the right things. You got to be uh, getting eight to 10 hours of sleep, like good nutrition, like recovering super hard, getting it, like getting in the training room, doing whatever you have to do to get ready to run that day. And um, for me, you know, I've had, I feel like I've done pretty well at all those things, but I've also just had like a little bit of adversity on the side that people, you know, like don't really know about that. Like, you know, like Miles Split's not publishing like these things, but when COVID hit, like I got COVID really bad. And um, like one thing I really struggled with is I couldn't run for 40 days because I had um, a EKG issue with my heart. And so I went 40 days without running a step. Like I was able to walk, but that's like all I was allowed to do. So I'd go out for like an hour walk and just like try to will myself to like get out the door, even though I knew I was like blatantly out of shape. Um, and so that just kind of led to like a lot of different adversity too. Like what comes with that is, well, you didn't run for 40 days. So now you're like super out of shape and I put on like a bunch of weight. And so it's like, now we got to take like a few months to get the weight off. And then it's like, well, you just don't like feel as light as you did or whatever. And so all those things come into play. And um, like, I think it took me a really long time to, get past all of that um from a mental standpoint to be like well i'm not really where i want to be right now but i kind of just told myself like you don't really have a choice like you got to keep up you got to come out every day like ready to go so i worked my way through um that COVID, and i had a really rough year my june i think it was i think it was my junior year when we came back i ran really bad at the big 10 championships i ran awful at stillwater um in the national championships but i was also 15 pounds heavier than i'd ever been and i wasn't in great shape because i only i got to start running like mid-november so it was like there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that people weren't really aware of um but i think for me like i take pride in the fact that like my work ethic was always there and when whenever i got out on the track like people knew i was working hard whether i w was where i wanted to be at or not um i gave it pretty much everything I had. And now that like my career is relatively coming to a close, whether or not it ends this year or not, I don't know because I have track eligibility. Um, but I do take pride in the fact that my teammates can look at me as someone who always gave a hundred percent effort and came out every day with an intent to do, to do good. Um, and just like be supportive of them too. So I kind of had to like shift my viewpoint a little bit um, and my goal is a little bit to be like, well, you know, if running's like not always going well, like, what do I want myself to look like as a teammate? What do I want myself to look like as a leader for these younger guys that come in? Because I don't want to be that downer that's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be tough. And like, you're really going to struggle. Like, I want to be able to help them get through those kind of things uh, and be able to like talk to me about those kind of things because I've like pretty much seen it all. Um, so, but like regardless of like performance, regardless, I really enjoy the relationships I've built at IU, like even among my coaching staff, like Coach Helmer and Coach Poor and Coach Helmer's retiring after this year. Um, but like they gave me an opportunity and I am like eternally grateful for that. 
So I just, I'm really, I'm really grateful for them that they were able to uh, kind of like stick with me through some of the struggles that I've had and like not really have like a wavering faith and uh, just acknowledging the fact that I'm going to, I've been through a lot, but they know like I'm giving it everything I have. Um, and just also my teammates too, like building the relationships I've built with them. And I know you're like aware of this too, but like those are lifetime friendships, lifetime relationships. Like when you go out on those runs with people, when you go out on 50 minute moderate runs and do 10 mile LTs and go through brutal track workouts with people, like you build a bond um, that is really different and you like really know each other like on a on a broad level um, because you've just like been kind of in the trenches with them. So I've really enjoyed uh, experiencing that. And even like with the adversity too, like, in high school, everything always seemed to be so linear. Like I was always on an upward trajectory. Like I never had a point where I was like plateauing or I never had a point where I was like deep diving down, but I've come to like appreciate that adversity a little bit because it, it shows me like I still have stuff to work for and it motivates me to like get out there every day and know like I'm not perfect, but I'm going to like give it my best shot. So I feel like, you know, with all that being said, college has been a roller coaster ride, but I've really like grown up and I think I've like really become a man like through this experience and um like learn what it takes to be at the D one level, which is a lot more than I think you know, the average like um high schooler really thinks it takes. Like you want to be at this level, but like you don't know what it takes to really be here and you and it's hard to understand the level of competition and what it really takes. So like I always tell um people that are gonna like going to college, like you really need to be like fully committed. It's like a full-time job. Like you're going to, you're going to put in a lot of hours a week and you're going to um, have like long nights and like full travel days and like big races. You're going to have races you don't like, like you have to find a way to stay motivated through all of that. Um, and so I feel like that's pretty encompassing of, kind of like how my college career has gone but if you have any other questions like feel free to send me off of that yeah absolutely that's a great way to put it um I'll, I'll put you on the spot again actually uh if i had to, if you had one race from indiana university since you've been there that if every other one was wiped away what one what memory kind of from the race would you want to keep the most like what's your essentially what's your favorite race since you've been in indiana yeah i think the short answer and is just the one where I ran 343 in the 1500 last year. Cause I think, you know, like given everything that I had gone through leading up to that point, um, you know, it wasn't always linear, like I said, and I had been through a lot, but to go out and run 343 was um, just huge to me because like, even like with a mile split conversion, that's technically like, a four flat mile or a little bit under. And that's like kind of always a goal that I've been chasing. So I was really um, excited when I did that and I was able to do it on Indiana's home track as well. So that was a special moment for me and my parents were there. So kind of being able to validate that, like, yeah, I, at one point, like I had reached like rock bottom and like I had races where I like was fresh for an 800 and went, ran 157. Like, like very, very awful races, but just to know that I'd like kind of overcome all of that and got myself to a point where I was like, you know what, I can still be pretty good at this and I can still 
um, like compete at the highest level and run times that are like sub four equivalent and like really compete with people and be in a race with people like Morgan Beto Scum or Ben Beach. Um, and even like my young teammate, like Cam Marshall, who's like going to be an absolute stud here in a few years. Like just, just knowing I could still compete with those guys was huge for me last year and kind of like a, a turn again where I was like, this is still something I can do at a high level. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You've had an excellent career. Like I said, at the beginning, you're getting awfully close to breaking a lot of barriers. I know in the mile, you're right on the edge of that. I think uh sub four conversion in the 15, mm-hmm. uh, there's a few other ones that you're super close to. And I don't doubt for a second that you'll get them. Or if you were to exhaust the two years, you'd definitely get them. But staying on topic with Indiana, Obviously, you came from Ohio, where the distance running community is so closely knit, something truly special, very competitive. What was that change like, moving from Ohio to Indiana, high school to college? What was that like for you, and how did you find ways to overcome some of the challenges? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, you know, moving into the dorms uh, freshman year, I moved in with uh, my roommate, Skylar Stidham, freshman year, and I think... You know, when I came here, a lot of my teammates almost looked at me as like a, as like a celebrity or somebody that like was like untouchable and, or like they couldn't compete with. Uh, But one of my favorite stories I like to tell is one of the first long runs I had ever done at IU. We, I think we had to run like 90 minutes and I got absolutely put into the ground on this, on this long run. Like, like wheels came off like 12 miles in, I got dropped super hard. Um, and I was like dead at the end of it. Um, I think we were supposed to go to like a breakfast or something. I didn't even end up going to the breakfast. Like I was so tired and, um, it was funny cause they were just like, in that moment they were like, Oh, like Dustin is human. Like he is like, just like us, like he has bad days. Um, and so that was just funny to me, but like the transition, like when I first came in, it was like, all right, like you're going to do like really big things and you're going to be like competing to be on our varsity roster this year. And so like, I was so wound up in like the competitiveness of all of it and like trying to get my redshirt taken off. Like that was the biggest deal in the world was like, I'm going to get my redshirt taken off as a freshman, like for cross country. Like that was such a big deal to all of us that like, I was so wrapped up in that competitiveness and just kind of like building that relationship with our freshman class. Like I didn't really think about too much else. Um, Like even like freshman year too, like I switched my major I think what people underestimate is that like managing a college level workload, especially at like a college like Indiana, where, you know, you're not going to have like an easy way out. Like you, you're going to be grinding your education as well as balancing everything that has to, that you have to do with running to be a competitive uh, person on the course or on the track. Um, So like, I, I think like I underestimated that too. And I think that the advice that I would give to like other people coming in is like, just know what you can uh, what you can chew. Don't chew like too much, uh, off at, at a time, like really know your limits, know kind of what you can handle and be willing to like say no to the side stuff that like, you know, doesn't really matter now. Like I don't regret like messing around with my buddies in the dorms or like doing something like playing Fortnite at like, or like procrastinating my homework a little bit, but still getting it done on time. Like, you know, but like just be able to know, okay, what can I handle? You know, if I get into my major and it's not like a hundred percent comfortable to me or I don't really like it, like, don't be afraid to like switch because a lot of these coaches, and if you're really passionate about running, like want you to come back for a fifth year, if you're doing well and stuff like that. So 
like just not really being so worried about like all the nitty gritty details and having to be like perfect because when you come in like it's not going to be perfect right like you mentioned me moving from ohio to indiana like that was different being away from my family for the first time and um, being away from other friends back home and just kind of being like at arm's reach away from them um and it was nice that you know i only have a two and a half hour drive home but for people that go further away like it's a little bit more challenging to sneak home like when you want to so especially like with the work we're putting in like you don't get a whole lot of free weekends to go home so um i think like balancing that was definitely different and definitely a transition but i again i think it helped me like kind of go out on my own a little bit and learn a little bit more about like my tendencies and like what i wanted um so i i think that that covers it pretty well oh yeah you did a terrific job i can resonate pretty well with that uh going to college with uh, different states, very difficult, a lot of change. It takes some time to get used to it, and it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, but it's pretty remarkable that being resilient runners that we are, we're able to do that. But all that you mentioned on the academic side, while also working a full time job, as in running. So yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Um, can definitely agree with you there. I know you're running out of time here, um, but I have a few last questions before I let you go. Yeah. Since this is outside the Oval, as promised, we're going to take this even further outside of it and talk about Dustin Horter, the person for the final few minutes of today's show. And for those listening at home and not too familiar with who you are, could you tell them a little bit about yourself and what you enjoy doing when you're not running? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, like I said, I always like hanging out with my buddies and I'm always watching whatever sporting events going on, whether it's like NBA, NFL. MLB. I mean, I majored in sport marketing and management, so I feel like I could talk about sports or any of that all day long. I've always got ESPN on my TV or like the Pat McAfee show. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but like I'm a huge Colts fan. I love the Reds too. Like, so I, I'm always doing something involved with sports and I always love just hanging out with my buddies too and just like kind of sitting down and talking about like, you know, like bringing up like a random topic or something and like kind of like just debating it with teammates. Like I love just kind of that camaraderie of you know like even like sitting in the locker room after a workout and just kind of like you know hanging out with the boys and you know just talking and like just enjoying it while while we can like while it lasts so yeah i like i like anything sports basically oh yeah definitely can agree with you there and then another question i have and it's probably the first i should have started the episode out with this uh, I'm sure you've been on social media recently. I mean, it's almost impossible to stay off of it nowadays considering everything that happens. Uh, but I'm sure you're familiar with the Spotify Wrapped and Apple Music Replay, uh, all these people sharing their results uh, across all social media. So I've got to ask, first, are you a Spotify or Apple Music guy? And second, what songs, artists, and albums make up your top five? Yeah, so I am an Apple Music Replay guy. Um, I've been on that train. I, I don't get the hype around Spotify. I'm going to be honest. I, I think, you know, I like the thing that comes with the iPhone. It's already prepackaged into it. So I feel like it was a lot easier to uh, get down. But surprisingly, my top artist of the year was Post Malone. And I listened to 2,200 minutes of them, which was kind of insane to me. Um, and my top, my top song this year was Cooped Up, which was on Post Malone's new album. I really love that song. I listen, apparently, I listened to it like 80 times this year. So... That was kind of insane. Um, and then, like, I'm a big, like, rap guy, so I love, like, Drake. I love the new, like, Drake and 21 Savage album. I thought it was awesome. And, um, yeah, a, a sneaky uh, 
a sneaky underdog in my top five also was Five Seconds of Summer. They were actually my number two. So I guess I'm into oh. boy bands. Uh, but yeah, I like Five Seconds of Summer a lot. They had a new album come out. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. I, I would highly recommend that album. Hey, I respect it. I love when you have a little bit of diversity in your top five. I mean, that's how mine was. I I was probably the first year where I looked at my Apple Music replay, which I'm also on the Apple Music train. And by the way, this the new Apple replay, it's it it looks better and it is the new one, at least the new update. It's better than Spotify rap, without a doubt. It's a lot more but, aesthetically uh, this, pleasing for sure. Oh yeah. And but back on topic, you you mentioned that you have a diverse uh kind of I guess, artist list at least. And I respect that. I like that. And this was the first year I looked at mine. I was like, oh yeah, I listened to some, a lot of different things this year. And it's just cool to look back and see that. Uh, but for my last question today, I've got to ask this. I, you talked about this before the show. You mentioned it briefly. Uh, you're a pretty big Colts fan. And I feel like I've remembered seeing you in some sort of Colts gear on Instagram or something like that. So I'd love to hear from you what you think. What do the Colts need to do this offseason to really take that next step? Do, who, who do they need to coach? Do you like Jeff Saturday? Who do they need to trade and acquire? Kind of what's your, your thought process behind the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, well, that's a that's a loaded question. Uh, being as big of a fan as I am of them, um, I was honestly baffled by the Jeff Saturday hire, but I think, you know, given the energy that I've seen them play with, like they needed a little bit of a motivator and not so much like a coach at the home. Like they can find people to put the X and O's together, but they really needed somebody to get the locker room together and like really give them someone like to fight for. I don't know if Jeff Saturday is like the long-term solution, uh, but I think like he's definitely helpful with the culture. And I was just as baffled by anybody else to hear that news, but, and I wasn't a fan of it at the beginning. Like, I'm not going to lie, but I think, it's actually worked out pretty well. And although like we're losing right now and stuff, like we're in the top 10 for draft pick this year as, as it lays right now, I don't think we're trying to tank. Um, but you know, I wouldn't mind being in the top 10 because like you're going to get a really talented player there. And I think they're probably going to think about drafting like a left tackle at that spot, because that's been a huge position of need for, a few years after Anthony Costanza retired. But of course, like, you know, there's always the quarterback situation too, where it's like, you might want to think about drafting a young quarterback because Frank Reich had to deal with, I think it was like seven quarterbacks in five years. And so like, they never had consistency at the quarterback position. They never, Frank Reich never had the same quarterback year to year um, throughout his entire coaching um, stint in Indy. And I think that really like hurt him a lot to not have that consistency, like of somebody who knows his playbook constantly. And I honestly think he handled that pretty well. And like Frank's a great guy, but it was definitely time for him to go. I agree with that move. But yeah, there's got to be a long-term solution find at quarterback, left tackle, and the line just needs to come together because they were a top uh, run blocking offensive line in the league uh, a year prior when Jonathan Taylor rushed for like, I don't even know what it was. I think it was like 1,500 yards or something. It was like he had an insane season, like an arguably MVP-type season, one of the best seasons we've seen from a running back in a while. So, like, they have the talent on offensive line, and we've paid them, like, pretty handsomely. It's just They just need to come together as a unit and find that chemistry again. But I love, like, their energy on defense. Uh, Stephon Gilmore was a fantastic add in the offseason. Like, he's been locking guys down. I think they have some young linebackers that are really coming together, like 
EJ Speed, Zaire Franklin's played awesome this year. Get Darius Leonard healthy, and we have, like, an elite linebacker rotation. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was a huge add, too, on defensive end. Like, we got Quiddy Pay, a young guy from Michigan who, like, went healthy. Like, we have a pretty lethal pass rush. And then we have Grover Stewart in the middle. And um, we also had the Forrest Buckner, too, who's, like, one of – arguably one of the best D tackles in the league. So I really like the roster as is like with a good quarterback and a solid left tackle. Like I think we're a pretty good team. Yeah. Entering the year, I, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea where it went, went wrong. I thought Indianapolis was going to run away with the AFC uh, South. I think Titans, Texans, and yeah, it's the South. Yeah. and uh, really thought they were going to win that one, but just couldn't get done. You were definitely right. It was time to move on from coach Reich, even though I don't think he's, he, he did a lot with a with very little, but he had a very talented roster. And just, he was a quarterback whisperer, apparently, but he couldn't get it done. He couldn't find a quarterback, and ultimately, it's a quarterback's league, so you got to get that done when you can. And I could talk football with you all day, every day, Dustin, but that's all we got for today's show. It's been terrific having you on the show, and I appreciate you coming on, and I, I, I'm assuming this won't be the last time you join the show. Absolutely, Gavin. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm going to come back anytime. Awesome. I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you all for joining us today. And I'll catch you all next time on Outside the Oval.